I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder in all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your ways, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the people. You with your arms redeem your people. And that is Psalms chapter 11, verses 11 through 15. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bridge Radio. And we are coming at you from the great state of Texas. I am your host, A.W. Varilla, and in front of me, like always, the president of this ministry, Steve Den Hartog. What's up, everybody? Good to be with you today. Well, thank you guys for tuning in today. This week, we have a really special guest. We have Dr. Stephen J. Nichols, president of Reformation Bible College and a host of Five Minutes in Church History. So it's going to be good. I've, I've just come to appreciate church history so much more recently. Yeah. You know, just kind of doing a little work for this podcast and just uh, going, uh, I've been reading, uh, um, what is it? Nick Needham, Needham's uh, church history. And then just listening to, uh, of, uh, Dr. Nichols uh, uh, five minutes in church history. Like, I can't believe how much information he can get in just five minutes. And it's like, just boom, straight to the point. It, and it's just extre- a, a lot of extreme information. You're like, I did not know that. So uh, it's going to be interesting to uh, talk to him today just about church history. Uh, uh, why is that important? And just the impact of church history it has uh, it has had on Christendom throughout yeah. the ages. Helps so, us to know why we believe what we believe. Yeah. And, then I, and, and, and I hope we get an opportunity to just kind of talk about that because uh, especially down here, uh, you don't really hear too much of people talking about early church history. No, uh, I think that uh, sometimes it gets associated with Catholicism, mm. you know, just because some of the early church fathers. And so, yeah, uh, yeah so we're super excited, everybody, to have Dr. Nichols on. Uh, please don't forget to subscribe to Apple, Android, Google, Stitcher Radio. And please visit our website at bridgemanlaredo.org. Um, please don't forget to download download our app. Uh, we have a new messaging system on there. Uh, hopefully, it'll get expanded in the future, and we're trying it out. Uh, and also, please uh, don't forget, we are uh, taking donations for our building fund. Uh, we're looking to go to go into a bigger building, and it's only by the grace of God and your help that we are we 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 can get there um, because we are just looking forward to do a lot more here Amen. in the ministry. So. All right. Well, why don't we get this podcast started, Steve? Let's do it. All right. Dr. Stephen J. Nichols is president of Reformation Bible College and chief academic officer for Ligonier Ministry and a Ligonier Ministry teaching fellow. He is host of podcasts of Five Minutes in Church History and Open Book. He has authored numerous books, including For Us and For Our Salvation, Peace, A Time for Confidence, Five Minutes in Church History. He's also co-editor of the Legacy of Luther and Crossway Theologians on the Christian Life series. Welcome, Dr. Nichols, to Bridge Radio for the first time. Uh, it's my pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me. Well, Steve, just thank you very much. We're really, really happy that you're on. Uh, we, you know, my wife and I uh, listen to uh, Five Minutes in Church History uh, pretty regularly, and it's been just an awesome blessing for us and just learning more about uh, uh, church history. Mm. Um, but Steve, for our audience, can you just please share a little bit about yourself and how God drew you to saving faith? Oh, sure. Uh, first, thanks 
thanks for those kind words on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah, I had the you know, good providence of growing up in a Christian home. My dad is a, is a pastor. Um, and so I, I think the moment I was born, I was in church. And this is the good old days where you had church Sunday morning, Sunday night, hmm. um, midweek uh, prayer meeting and youth meetings. And pretty much, I think, every Saturday night we had a potluck dinner for or almost every Saturday night. Nice. So all that to say, uh, I was in the church a lot uh, as a kid, mm. and I'm grateful for it. Yeah. You know, I grew up surrounded by the hymns mm. of the church, which was just part of my vocabulary. Scripture memory was just part of what I did. Mm. Um, so I just have a lot of gratitude uh, for that as my upbringing. Um, I distinctly remember a moment when I was about 10 years old of just, I heard a testimony of another person who'd been in the church, but recognized that Christianity is not just being in a church or not just being born into a Christian family, but that one needed to personally uh, make the, the Christ their Lord and savior and mm-hmm. to recognize that Christ died for, for me uh, personally. And uh, as I listened to that testimony, I heard myself and saw myself in that testimony. And so I remember distinctly as a 10 year old, um, praying that sinner's prayer as best I could articulate it and confessing my sin and my need for a savior and asking Christ to be my savior. Um, so I do remember that. And, uh, again, though, within that context of just a Christian family, good, solid church, and just very grateful for that, uh, that that's what, um, that's what God had for my life. So, Yeah. What a blessing that is. I grew up in a Christian family as well and did not appreciate until many years later how much of a blessing that was. And so, uh, yeah, I can really relate to your story, Steve. You know, sometimes when you're in the midst of it, you don't always appreciate it. That's true. And (laughs) yeah, yeah, but uh, we recognize how God uses those things. And I, you know, it's true for people coming out of non-Christian context Mm, too. God uses those different circumstances in our lives to accomplish his purposes for his good pleasure. So absolutely. I remember going through the Heidelberg catechism, I think in sixth grade and uh, being bored to tears, but (laughs) I still remember, you know, the, the first, the first Q and a means all the world to me now, you know, and uh, so really appreciate that. But uh, Dr. Nichols or Steve, can you go ahead and tell us why it is important to study church history? What difference does that make in our mm. lives as Christians now in the 21st century? Yeah, that is such a great question. You know, obviously, we don't need church history to get into heaven. So uh, <laughs> I'll just admit that right up front. Uh, and certainly we, we, we don't ever want study of church history or other things to divert our attention away from the study of what is at the center of the Christian faith, and that is God's Word. Yeah. But I, I I, just like to point folks back to a great comment Charles Spurgeon made, and this was in his book. He, he wrote a book on the use of commentaries. Mm-hmm. And what Spurgeon was finding was that he was bumping into a number of young pastors who they, they made the argument that they had the Holy Spirit, so they didn't need commentaries mm. to understand God's Word. And Spurgeon reflected on that and had a reply. And his reply was, I find it odd that someone who would think so highly of what Scripture teaches them mm. 
would think so little of what the Holy Spirit teaches others also. Mm-hmm. And it just struck me as you could apply this to church history. Yeah. And so when I say, you know, I don't really need church history because I've got my Bible and I may have my local church and I've got really, I've got the Holy Spirit indwelling me. I've got all I need. What you're sort of saying is the Holy Spirit is your unique gift mm-hmm. yeah. in your unique moment. And you're not realizing the Holy Spirit has been the gift to the church for the last two millennia. Mm, and if he's teaching you things, he's teaching the church things. And mm. so I just look at it as, I want all the help I can get to be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think there is help to be gotten in church history. So let's go look for it and um, see what we can learn from our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, (laughs) I was listening to one of the podcasts from 2013 when you were uh, uh, introducing us to John's two disciple, in uh, which was uh, a Polycarp oh, yeah. and, and, and Ignatius. Um, but one thing that I was just really interesting that not a lot of people know that yeah. they forget that the, the, the that John had disciples hmm. and we, and we don't want to talk about <laughs> it. And, and it was funny in that podcast, you, you started mentioning Polycarp who uh, his disciple was Irenaeus. And then uh, Irenaeus had uh, Hippolytus. And I was like, that's such a cool name. Like who, who would know a Hippolytus of Rome? <laughs> like, so I, I thought that was, uh, that was really cool. Um, Steve, so which of the early church fathers have impacted you the most? Well, you know, certainly the ones you just rattled off there. Oh. I think Polycarp's are are really important. Polycarp's martyrdom yeah. is, a, is yeah. just such rich text from the early church. Yeah. And what an example of mm. this octogenarian yeah. who is is on trial in front of the Roman powers to be and takes a stand for Christ. But I would have to say, if we're talking early church, I keep coming back to Augustine. Mm. I mean, there's just there's just no comparison. Mm. Um, he's just the Mount Everest of of the early church fathers, and just such a depth to him and breadth to him um, that I find myself constantly. Uh, I, I never I never spend time in Augustine, you know, reading here or there. And come away thinking, hmm. oh, I, I just wasted my time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I always come away glad to, to have spent some time with him and feel enriched because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Very true. We were just reading, I was just reading uh, some of Augustine on the Trinity and also his view of mm-hmm. time and eternity. I was just struck yeah. by how much time he could take talking about time. <laughs> the guys, he was just an amazing, just an amazing mind. So I really appreciate him. Yeah. And you could, you feel like uh, some of those paragraphs, you need to take a few yeah. passes on just, just to make sure you're quite getting it oh, and hanging with him. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? Um, kind of along the lines of church fathers who have impacted you, what would you say is one of your favorite stories from church history or maybe one of the doctrines um, through church history that has kind of impacted you a lot or meant the most mm. to you? Yeah. Uh, you know, we might as well just stick here in the early church for a little bit. Mm. I, I, if we go back to Polycarp, I, I love that there's a moment, a scene 
in the martyrdom of Polycarp that I think is just brilliant. And I, it's one of those kind of things where I just try to recreate in my mind the drama of it. Hmm. But and it also shows the irony. So one of the one of the things the early Christians were accused of was atheism yeah. <laughs> because they were denying the gods of the state. But so how ironic is this? And so you can picture it's an amphitheater and all the Romans are there in the amphitheater, you know, bloodthirsty, waiting to see these Christians persecuted by the lions or the gladiators. And Polycarp is supposed to look at the group of Christians behind him mm. and say, away with the atheist, mm. yeah. which is, his way of distancing himself from the Christian community and denouncing his faith. But instead, what he does is he looks out upon the crowd of Romans, and with one grand sweeping gesture across the amphitheater, he says, away with the atheist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, I, I can't help but like see a little humor in this yeah. very dark and grim moment. Yeah. Um, but I just, I just can't, it's just this, uh, it's got to be one of the most dramatic moments in church mm. history. Uh, so I would say that is an event. If you're talking about a doctrine, I'll stick in the early church. One of my favorite, favorite phrases in all of church history is the little phrase, for us and for our salvation. Mm. And it comes from the Nicene Creed, and it was in the debates of the deity of Christ and the humanity of Christ and the, the full deity, true deity, true humanity, two natures united in one person. Hmm. And the idea is that Christ, who is truly God, became truly man for us and for our salvation. Hmm. And, you know, we think of those verses in Philippians chapter 2 of the humiliation of Christ and Christ enduring the cross, and it's just such a beautiful, uh, concise phrase that I just love it, that Christ did this for us and for our salvation. It's beautiful. That really is. Yeah, that Polycarp part, uh, Polycarp uh, story is just uh, amazing. I think it was uh, uh, Dr. the late great Dr. Sproul. Uh, was telling that in one of his sermons, and and I, I can't remember the details. Uh, you, I know that you mentioned it in your podcast. He says, he said, uh, 80, 86 years have I served him, and he has done me no yeah. wrong. How can I blaspheme my King and Savior? And I think it was, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it was, because I, I I listened to it not too long, ago, sort of months ago, of when he is being burned, I believe, Polycarp, and mm-hmm. uh, something's going on there, and everybody's just like, yeah, the sweet aroma and just the light of it, he him being burned and um, I, I don't know what a testimony. Yeah, it is a testimony, and you know I totally remember what you were talking about with Doctor Scroll. And the thing I loved about Doctor Scroll was he loved drama. He loved <laughs> you know he used to tell yeah. homiletic students uh, when you his basic rule of preaching was find the drama in the text. Hmm and then preach the drama. And you were just captive. It wasn't just that he spoke truth. It was the way he spoke it. You were just captivated by it. And, you know, whether it's, whether he's recalling the biblical stories or he's recalling stories from Augustine or from his favorite reformer, Martin Luther, you you just knew he, he himself was captivated by the story and he just knew how to tell it so well. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he did a great job. He did. Um, yeah, I mean, we 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 sell his books here. Uh, he has uh, uh, several books in Spanish, and 
Steve, you have taught the systematic theology. The systematic theology by everyone's Sproul, a theologian. Everyone's yeah. a, or everyone's a theologian. That thing flies off the shelves here mm. at the Spanish. That's version. been a huge blessing for yeah. us. Yeah, I say it's very encouraging to hear. Um, you know, this this is the. It's interesting, and you all are there on the front lines of it. But but this is this is really a part where the Reformation did not come to yes, exactly. Central America. Yes. South America. And we're maybe at a moment where we are seeing the Reformation come to this region of the world and to the Spanish-speaking folks. And so it's very exciting uh, to see these resources and just see what God's going to do through all of this. It really is. It's it's really encouraging to see the number of people, too, who are coming in and who are wanting specifically— uh, well, Reformed theology, but just really solid biblical theology and commentaries. Mm-hmm. And there's a gentleman that comes about 45 minutes away from us, and he doesn't speak any English. He reads a little, but he'll come in mm-hmm. and he'll buy commentaries and systematic theology in English, and then he'll take it and, and use Google Translate to translate it so, oh, that, yeah, so wow. that he can teach it. And so, in Spanish. Yeah, yes. and he'll buy, you know— all of the, uh, the, you know, the solid stuff from from uh, Reformation heritage and from uh, Ligonier. Yeah, so if there's any lazy missionaries out there listening, like, there you go. <laughs> there, yeah, exactly. There's no excuse. There's well, a- I think it's, yeah, think about all of us, how, how lazy we get in our Bible study, our own study of Scripture. Yeah. That's, a, that's a real um, encouragement and inspiration, sure. Yeah, especially when we're in a place where Catholicism just rules uh, down here, and it's uh, definitely mm. definitely a battle at times for sure. Um, Steve, uh, as we were talking about the podcast, why five minutes when doing church history on your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we uh, as we were talking about a potential podcast, um, and this was actually, I don't know, six years ago, I guess, mm-hmm. we had this conversation. I just thought of the idea of, I, I want this to be as accessible as possible, and uh, I want it, to, I just want to drop like a breadcrumb, you know, for somebody to sort of pick up and trace. Mm-hmm. And I just like the sound of five minutes, and I sort of thought, who doesn't have five minutes, you know, to give, and can I tell these little stories in a five-minute time? And um, it just seems like a way to 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 make church history accessible. Mm. That's really what I'm trying to do with this. And uh, it's not church history for church historians. Mm -hmm. It's church history for the people of God. Mm -hmm. And and I just want to drop little breadcrumbs. And my hope is that, you know, people will listen to this and say, oh, I want more. (laughs) Not, I've heard enough. (laughs) (laughs) I want the opposite. And let them go off and, and pull on the threads and see where it leads. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I was just telling Steve, like, you definitely do leave people wanting more. Like, you're like, oh, hold on a second. Like, are you done? I need to find out more. I, I mean, Well, the story with uh, Martin Luther and the bubonic plague was oh, so yeah. appropriate. Oh, yeah. You know, for what we're going through now. Well, that too. Yeah, you think of, um, and now sometimes I do cheat and do a part one and part two because I can't quite squeeze it into five minutes. Sure. But I don't do that. I don't do that often, but every once in a while I find, oh, this is just too good. Uh, I need a few more extra minutes here. <laughs> and technically, uh, technically, it's it's four minutes and thirty seconds because we have an intro and a and a outro okay. thing. So yeah. it's no, actually, it's, 
four yeah. minutes and three seconds intro. Yeah, that when I hear that song coming on, I'm just like, yeah, here it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> here we go. We're gonna get some knowledge right now in church history. Steve, can you talk a little bit about uh, talk to people who might feel a little bit uncomfortable about learning early church history? And I'm thinking especially. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some of the early church fathers like uh, Augustine. Augustine sometimes gets a bad rap because of his association with the Roman Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know we've had some people in here who have just been really hesitant to want to learn anything about Augustine. And so um, what can you, what, what would you have to say? What kind of advice would you have to give people like that? You know, as we come into the early church, I think one of the things we need to realize is it's, it's a different moment than where we find ourselves today. Mm-hmm. And today we find ourselves on the Protestant Roman Catholic Church divide yeah. from the time of the Reformation. But if we go prior to the Reformation, we have uh, one Catholic, which just means universal. So that's mm-hmm. not the Roman Catholic communion. Sure. It's the universal church. We have the one Catholic church. And this spans the early church in the Middle Ages, and it sometimes gets difficult, and I recognize this in my own teaching of church history and my own thinking about church history, that as a Protestant, I'm not always sure what to make of some of these people Hmm. from 100 to 1500. Hmm. And I think a couple of things. Uh, One is, and and let's just talk about the early church, we can talk about the medieval church later, Um, but I think one thing, especially about the early church, just because they're close to the New Testament does not mean they're right. Hmm. And so I think sometimes there's an assumption that the closer you get to the New Testament, the more automatic you can assume they're going to be right. Yeah. Well, we know there's, there's false teaching in Paul's churches. Churches that Paul planted hmm. would have false teachers in them. Hmm. <laughs> so, hmm. so being close is no guarantee of being orthodox. Yeah. So I think that's the first thing I would say. There's a lot of bad teaching in the early church, just as there's mm-hmm. bad teaching in the 21st century. Um, <laughs> yeah. And just as there was bad teaching in the first century New Testament church. So that's the first thing I'd caution. Yeah. Uh, just because it's early church doesn't mean it's right. Yeah. I think the second thing is we need to realize it's that Augustine or Athanasius or Polycarp, these are not Rome people. Yeah, uh, just because they're considered a saint and they have their saint day and they factor heavily into the Roman Catholic tradition, it doesn't mean they belong to the Roman Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can be our people. As Protestants, we can lay claim. And in fact, this is what a lot of the Reformers did. The, the Reformers said, you've got us all wrong. Uh, we're actually more faithful mm. to the teaching of Augustine mm. than you are mm. yeah. in your departure from the gospel. Mm. So I would say we don't have to say they're not our guy mm. or they're not on our team. I think we can see them on our team. Mm. So those would be the two things. I think we got, on the one hand, let's not just assume everything they say is right. We got to check it and test it according to scripture. Um, but let's also recognize that this, they don't belong to, to Rome. They, they can't just be claimed by Rome. Yeah. Uh, they're on they're our team, and they're on that side of biblical orthodoxy. And so I think, I think sometimes we ignore them. Um, that we, we, we can lose uh, a lot 
uh, from not having their benefit, not listening to them and not spending some time with them. Yeah. Along to your first point, um, with regards to some of the early church fathers, not necessarily, uh, having it right. I've, I've read a fair amount of origin and I think he was second century, Mm. I believe if I'm correct in my dates, but, um, he had some really great stuff to say, but then he had some really kind of <laughs> wacky stuff. And it's just, to go along to your point, it's interesting to see how um, through church history, those issues have, have been dealt with and worked out so that we understand, you know, according to the authority of Scripture, ultimately, you know, what to believe about some of these things and how we've progress to come to what we believe as as orthodox you know bible believing uh sola scriptura um christians nowadays so yeah yeah you know you raise a lot of points there uh you know the church historian's joke is um origin is the origin of all heresies um <laughs> isn't entirely true but somewhat uh but yeah i mean this is this is what we also see in church history it's where we see doctrine being developed yeah. and mm-hmm. you have biblical thing and you have challenges to biblical teaching. And so the teachers of the church have to come together and say, what does the whole council of God mm. say on this matter? Mm. And that's, that's how we develop doctrine and develop in our understanding of what scripture teaches. And mm. we just see that again and again throughout church history. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, Steve, uh, that time flew by. Um, and as we land this plane, um, you know, Romans, uh, 10, 14 says, how then would they call on him and who they have not believed? And how would they believe in him who they have not heard? And how would they hear without a preacher? Uh, Steve, can you go ahead and please share the gospel with our listeners today? Mm, yeah. You know, I think the gospel is as simple as the, the sinner's prayer, Lord have mercy. Mm-hmm. And we think of that, as we look at that, we can understand what's behind all of that. So we say, Lord, have mercy because I'm a sinner. Mm-hmm. And we have to see ourselves as a sinner. And we talk about the gospel of being saved. And uh, one thing R.C. loved to, to ask, going back to R.C. Sproul, he would say, saved from what? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the question. What's saved from? Yeah. And so if I'm a sinner before God, then I am deserving of the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. So I'm saved from the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. And how am I saved by the wrath of God? Well, God didn't, he, he's a just God. He's a holy God. And sin has offended his the very core of his righteous being. And so God just can't like lift up the corner of some cosmic rug and sweep my sin under it. Mm-hmm. My sin must be paid for. Uh, the, the wrath of God will be poured out. And the beauty of the gospel is that God sent his son in my place to take my penalty of my sin upon him. And so we sometimes say that we come to Christ with empty hands. The reality is I come to Christ with hands full of sin. And I give that sin to Christ, and Christ in turn takes my filthy rags of sin, and he gives me his righteous robe of, of coming from Christ, living a perfect life and keeping the law. He was 
sinless. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but he paid the penalty of sin by dying on the cross as a sinless sacrifice. Mm-hmm. So when I think about the gospel, it's really as simple as saying, Lord, have mercy on me as a sinner. And behind that is the fact that I am a sinner, that God is holy, and Christ is my substitute. Mm-hmm. And that's the gospel. And I'm so thankful for it. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Steve, for sharing that. Um, uh, where can people find you if you want to be found? Some I always say, uh, if you're on social media, where can they find you? I don't know if you want to be found. You know, you're, I'm sure, a busy man. <laughs> no, I mean, I forgot I'm on Twitter, but um, if people want to look at what I'm up to, I direct them to Ligonier, which is just Ligonier.org. Um, five minutes in church history mm. has its own website. It's the number five. And also we have a, a site for the college here. So reformation Bible So any of those places uh, be great for folks to check out. And Steve, if you wouldn't mind taking just a minute or two, just to give a shout out uh, with regards to reformation Bible college and maybe talk a little bit about sure. um, what's going on there. And, you know, if there's any young people who are listening to us who might be interested in, in checking it out, feel free to uh, share some information. Yeah. Uh, so I, I can't think of, a, of a, a better time for us to be doing what we are doing here mm. at, at reformation Bible. And I think of just, the uncertainty that uh, this generation is growing up in mm. and uh, what lies ahead. And what, we, what will serve everybody, no matter what vocation they go into, whether they go into ministry or into any of the professions, would be those timeless truths of yeah. God's Word. Yeah. Uh, there is one thing that is certain and short in God's Word, and that's what we do here at Reformation Bible College. We, we, we follow the the old path of the timeless wisdom of theology and biblical studies, because we really do believe it will best prepare you for what lies ahead. Yeah. Uh, so we have a full full undergraduate program here at Reformation Bible College. Um, we have agreements with seminaries for students who want to go into seminary, and we also love to see students go off into the professions. And just this year, we're launching our foundation year online. Mm-hmm. So it's a one-year program, certificate in theology. It's going to be with real time, with, with in a real classroom with professors and students. But you can engage in the class from wherever you are. So we'll be launching that. Uh, we're launching that this fall. Uh, oh. Foundation Year Online. So we'd love to have folks uh, check us out. It's ReformationBibleCollege.org, and uh, if if um, yeah, that's so, suggested. Yeah. ReformationBibleCollege.org. We'd love to have you check us out. Good deal. Thank you. Awesome. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's episode with Dr. Stephen Nichols. Um, five minutes in church history, as we you just heard. Um, Steve, what, what did you think? That, that was, was packed. <laughs> that was packed. I love that. That was a good time. That yeah, that was that was really that was really, really enjoyable podcast. Uh, Dr. Nichols, you guys need to check out his podcast, Five Minutes in Church History. I mean, you're going to get a lot of just great information, nothing complicated. He gets straight to the point, mm-hmm. and you're done in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And he, honestly, I think that you'll continue just listening to his podcast. Oh, for sure. Well, ladies and gentlemen, please don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, we're on all the social media, and we're always releasing uh, new videos. 
Uh, and if a guy puts it in your heart to donate, please, uh, you can click on the donate uh, button on the app, or you can go on to the bridgemanlaredo.org and also click the give uh, button there and just follow the instruction. And your donations do help us to uh, bring the gospel to this area of South Texas yes. and Mexico as well. So we serve a lot of people across the border. So we really appreciate any help that you could, you could prayerfully give us. Yeah, like this is a really small ministry. Again, we're praying for a bigger location so that we can expand our outreach. Um, so please, you know, whatever you guys can give, a penny, we'll take it. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, as we always end the show here, uh, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ? Amen. We'll see you next week. Later. Later.